A reading from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 1 to 33. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants, a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent him to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and a God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to, add, to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, 
Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for the visions that you gave to Cornelius and to Peter, and we pray that you would speak clearly to us today through your scriptures. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How common is prejudice today? And is it something that we see each and every day? My impression is that as Canadians, we often look to the United States and we see it as a place where there's a tremendous amount of racial prejudice. We look at uh, examples from the past of the KKK, of uh, restaurants and uh, stores that were labeled for whites only and uh, separate drinking fountains for those who are black. Uh, we see the civil rights movement. We see all of these other things that are going on. We see examples today of uh, black drivers being pulled over and being shot by police. And we look at the United States and we say, that's just a, a terrible place where there's so much prejudice going on. Thank God we live in Canada. Well, certainly there are some terrible things that have happened and are happening in the United States, but Canada is not innocent by any means. We have our own history of systemic racism, and this is found in many ways, but the most glaring example is the ways that indigenous people have been treated. And it is important for you to understand that the history of Canada and the ways that treaties were put in place and how uh, tricks were used and uh, injustice was put in place uh, to rob people uh, of their land. And of course, one of the uh, most obvious examples is that of the residential schools and the, the terrible things that went on there and their attempt to basically stamp out indigenous culture by killing the Indian in the child. That was the, the phrase that they were using. That was the, the model that they were trying to do. And the uh, ramifications of that continue to affect us. It, it really was not that long ago that the last residential school was shut down. We are not talking about ancient history. And of course, uh, prejudice against Indigenous peoples continues. And there's also, in Canada, in, uh, prejudice against uh, people who are Black, people who are Asian. Uh, there are all kinds of uh, racism that is there. Uh, it might look a little bit different than how it looks in some other countries, but it is there. I certainly can remember in my childhood, uh, people of different ethnic backgrounds being looked down upon. It all depended on what group was immigrating into the country at the time. I remember a lot of uh, prejudice against the boat people from Vietnam. I remember a lot of prejudice against the people who were coming from Pakistan and it continues on and on. 
And of course, uh, today, uh, women continue to fight for equal rights. We think that uh, women have equal rights, but they are ongoing. Uh, there's an ongoing fight for them to receive equal pay for equal work. So a lot of these things are still happening all around us. Now, you might be asking, why are you talking about that? We know that that happens. That's the world. That is uh, just the, the place of sin, and those kind of kinds of things are going to happen. But we are the church. We are islands of righteousness in a sea of wickedness. That is not our experience. But that's not true. Churches have not been innocent when it comes to prejudice. Uh, churches have been just as guilty. We were just talking about the residential schools and churches were actively involved in it. The uh, Roman Catholic, the Presbyterian, the Methodists, uh, the United Church, the Anglican churches, they were all active in running those residential schools. And there are a lot of Indigenous people who want nothing to do with Christianity because of the influence of the churches on those things. Now, don't think just because Baptists didn't make that list that we are innocent. Because as long as there have been churches, and this includes Baptist churches, there have always been churchgoers who think of certain people as the wrong kind of people, the people that you don't want to have around. And that has always been there. And it has been a part of every congregation and every tradition and every denomination. It goes right to the beginning. And we're going to take a look at that in our message today as we reflect on the passage of Peter and Cornelius. Now, let's start by just thinking a little bit about the Apostle Peter. Was Peter a good man? I would say he was a pretty good man. He was a good Christian. He was a, a devoted, uh, devoted follower of Jesus. In fact, we see a lot of growth in Peter uh, compared to his experience in the Gospels where he always seems to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. We see a, a different kind of Peter in Acts. It seems as soon as he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he receives this new confidence, this new wisdom that he really stands up to this role as a leader in the new Christian church. And he does well. He preaches the Pentecost sermon and many people come to believe and are baptized. We see him performing miracles. We see him active in very specific and important parts of the church's growth. And so Peter really seems to have come a long way. We can say that Peter was a good man. Now, God had been working in the church throughout Acts, through these last number of chapters that we have been looking at, and he's been slowly chipping away at the prejudice of the early church. We see God beginning to break down the prejudice that was there between the Hebrew-speaking and the Greek speaking Jewish Christians. Uh, we see God breaking down the barriers between uh, the Jewish Christians and the Samaritans, who are only kind of half Jewish, uh, something close to that. And now we're about to see God take the most radical step yet, and he's going to include Peter, this great man, uh, very human, 
but a great man who wants to be used by God. But, as I said, he is a man who is human, and he is shaped and affected by his culture. And what I love about this passage is that God is proactive in how he deals with Peter. He doesn't wait until uh, Peter is encountering the Gentiles and then he's thinking, oh no, what am I going to do here? I have all these strong feelings about Gentiles. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then God steps in and says, actually, no, you're going to do this. And then we have back and forth. That's not what happens. Uh, God is proactive. He doesn't even give Peter a chance to worry about how he's going to deal with Gentiles. Uh, God speaks to Peter in a very powerful way to make him face the prejudice that he is going to, uh, he's going to have to face. Now, we have to ask, what would have been Peter's attitude towards Gentiles? Gentiles are, are non-Jews. Well, I don't know that we can say that Peter would have hated Gentiles. I don't think that that was the case. Were there Jews that hated Gentiles? Probably there's, there were some. Uh, most likely there would have been resentment towards the Roman occupiers of their land. But I don't know that in general that they hated the Gentiles. Definitely they saw Gentiles as being impure and unclean, but that doesn't mean sinful. That doesn't, that's not the same thing. There's a whole system in the Old Testament of cleanliness and purity that uh, determines who is able to worship together, who is able to be in community together, and especially who is able to share a meal together. And there were strong barriers put up between the Jews and the Gentiles when it came in this way. So Peter probably had no problem doing business with Gentiles. I am sure that as a fisherman that he was more than happy to sell his fish to a Gentile or to buy nets from a Gentile, but he would have been a lot less likely to go into the home of a Gentile and certainly not to to sit down with a, them for a meal. I mean, who knows what's in the food? Even if it's not an unclean animal, who knows how they prepared it? You, def, you just don't do that. There are certain barriers that are, are uh, kept up for a reason because uh, Gentiles may, may not be the most hated people in the world, but they're definitely the wrong kind of people, at least for that kind of activity. And so God needed to get Peter to face this prejudice. And it was going to be hard because he had grown up with this. This had been a part of him throughout his life, right from childhood. And so God does it in a very, very creative way. Instead of dealing directly with Gentiles, what happens is that Peter is praying on a rooftop and he's hungry at the time. And so uh, it looks like there's uh, food being prepared. Maybe some of the smell was starting to come up. And, and uh, if you've ever been in that uh, situation, your, your stomach is starting to growl. And so uh, Peter's having this time of prayer, but he's also thinking about food. And Peter receives this vision. And this sheet comes down with a bunch of animals, and he's told to kill and to eat. Now, normally that wouldn't have been a, a bad thing. Um, if it was something that he would 
normally want to eat. Maybe it would be a, a chicken or, or something like that. Um, but that's not what it was. It's all kinds of animals, including animals specifically not allowed for Jewish people. And all of these animals are, are put in front of him and he's told basically, kill and eat, take what you want. And Peter experiences, experiences revulsion, revulsion at that. Now, it's hard for us to really get a sense of how he would have felt in that moment. We might be thinking, you know what, Peter, like, get over it. Enjoy a nice pork sausage. It's going to be so good. Have some bacon. Oh, it's going to taste amazing. You do, Peter, you really don't know what you are missing because that is part of our culture for us to enjoy that kind of thing. But imagine you went and visited uh, a friend and they brought out their nice uh, black lab dog uh, and uh, you're petting the dog and it's just a wonderful dog. And, and then your host says, oh, by the way, uh, we're going to eat this dog for supper tonight. You'd be like, no, that's not going to happen. That's not part of my culture. We don't eat our dogs. Now, can you physically eat the, the meat of a dog? Of course you can. Many people have done that. But culturally, that is not appropriate for us. And we would experience a very emotional reaction to that. And that's the kind of reaction that Peter is experiencing in this moment. How can he possibly do this? And God says, what I have called clean, you cannot call unclean. And so what God has done is use the image of these unclean animals that he has deemed to be clean to show Peter that all human beings are deemed to be clean as well. There are no unclean. There are no people who are the wrong kind of people. And that is what, what uh, Peter needed to learn. And so by the time the messengers from Cornelius come, and it, I, I find it really interesting that it, uh, Cornelius, of, of all kinds of Gentiles, he's a centurion, so he's a soldier, he is a part of a regiment that is in the occupying force in his nation, that that's the kind of person who's being, uh, who is sending for Peter. And when Peter receives this, these messengers, he goes because he's been told that he is not to see anyone as unclean. And so he walks into that home. Did he feel an emotional reaction when he did that? Probably. Probably something felt unnatural for him to do that. Because before this, Cornelius would definitely have been the wrong kind of people. But now he has been commanded by God to see Cornelius and all Gentiles in a new way. Now this passage can be both encouraging and challenging for us. It's encouraging because in many ways, we are the spiritual descendants of Cornelius. Uh, Cornelius was a Gentile who was welcomed into the church, and we're going to take a look at that uh, more in our next message. But just for now, spoiler alert, uh, Cornelius becomes a Christian. He is welcomed into the church as a follower of Jesus, as a Gentile, without having to convert to Judaism. And that is most of our experience. Most of us are not Jewish in ethnicity. Uh, we are Gentile. We do not convert to Judaism before we come to Jesus. And so we have come in by the way of Cornelius. And so this is encouraging to us. Uh, we would have been the other, and now we have been welcomed in because Cornelius was the other. That's 
that was the situation that was being faced there. But the challenge for us is that prejudice continues to be there. And we have our own prejudices that need to be faced just as much as Peter needed to face his prejudice against Gentiles. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, no, no, I'm not really prejudiced. You know, I don't really see people of different skin color as different or inferior or any, anything like that. Uh, I really don't see uh, people uh, of different races or ethnicities or cultures as being, uh, being wrong. So no, no, I don't really face any prejudice. And, uh, and I hope that you don't uh, uh, feel any of those things uh, either. But here's a test for you. I want you to imagine that we have an in-person church service. And of course, we have, after that service, we have a potluck. And you've been looking for so long for this potluck. Maybe this is our first potluck after all of the COVID-19 stuff is done. So you go up to the front, you get your food, it looks delicious, it smells great. You sit down at the table, and then some other people come and sit down. Is there anyone, is there any kind of person that would make you uncomfortable if they sat next to you. If this had been opened up, we had all kinds of visitors that came that, that Sunday, and there was a lot of people you didn't know, and some of these people came and sat next to you. Is there any kind of person that would make you feel a little bit uncomfortable? What if the person who came to sit beside you was someone that you knew that you disagreed with theologically very much. You are on opposite sides when it comes to theology, when it comes to interpreting the Bible. Uh, there's almost nothing that you can agree on, and they sit next to you. Are you going to feel a little... You could have sat over there. There's room at that table, please. Uh, maybe uh, would you have felt uncomfortable if it was a transgender person who came and sat beside you? What if the person was absolutely covered in tattoos and body piercings? Would that bother you? Would you be uncomfortable sharing a meal with someone like that? What if the person had a very profound intellectual disability? Uh, would that affect it? Would you be a little bit uncomfortable if, if that person uh, was there beside you? Uh, there's all kinds of examples that we could think of, of different people who could sit down beside us. Would we feel uncomfortable sharing a meal with certain kinds of people? Is there anyone that we can think of as the wrong kind of people, not the wrong kind of people to exist, but the wrong kind of people for me to be in relationship with, the wrong kind of people for me to share a meal with? Now, I don't want you to think that what I'm saying is, if you do feel uncomfortable at all, you are a bad person, you're a bad Christian, and Jesus hates you. That is not what I am saying at all, because it is natural for you to experience, for all of us, to experience some discomfort around people who are different from us. You know that I am an advocate for disability rights, for inclusion in churches of people with disabilities. This is something that I am passionate about. It is something that is central to my ministry and everything that I do. But I will tell you, there are certain people with certain kinds of disabilities that when I'm with them, my immediate reaction is discomfort. I just feel uncomfortable for some reason. It's hard for me to, to pinpoint why, but I, I just feel that way. 
I also feel that it's important for us to reach out to the poor, for those who are experiencing uh, mental illness and addiction and all of those kind of things. And as you know, we used to have a, a Saturday night service and there'd be a Saturday night meal and we would sit there and we would have meals together. And I will tell you, as much as I believed in everything that was going on there, there were times where I sat at a table having a meal with someone who was so different, who looked so different, who acted so different, who even smelled so different, and I was uncomfortable. I felt like I was out of my comfort zone, but I knew it was right. It was the important thing to do. And so it was actually a healthy thing for me to face my own prejudice, to realize that there are certain people that make me feel uncomfortable. Basically, what I'm trying to do is to get us all to ask three questions. The first question is, is there a certain group of people that we consider to be the wrong kind of people? Secondly, we need to ask, why do we see them? as the wrong kind of people. And the third question to ask is, what would it take for us to have table fellowship with that group of people? The Apostle Peter was a good man. He was a follower of Jesus, devout, zealous for the Lord. But he was shaped by his culture he was raised in a certain way, and part of that was seeing Gentiles from a certain perspective, seeing them as unclean, as impure, definitely as people not to visit in their homes and not to share a meal with. Didn't mean that Peter was bad, but he had a prejudice that had to be faced. Well, God made him face that through some amazing circumstances, an incredible vision which really challenged Peter. And God used Peter to welcome the Gentiles into the church. And as Gentiles, we can be thankful for that. We each have our own prejudice. It may not be racial prejudice. It may be prejudice about something else. Maybe it's about people at a certain economic status or people with certain disabilities or people with certain gender identities or something. We have our prejudices, and we need to face our prejudices. That's all I'm asking at this point right now. I'm not talking about solving all of the world's problems. I'm only asking us to face our prejudices, to be aware of how we look at certain people. And eventually, for us to look, what would it take to get us not just in the same room, but at the same table as those people. Let us pray. God, we thank you for what you did with Peter. We thank you that you forced him to face his prejudice. And we pray that you would help us to face our own prejudice. You know that we have been shaped by our own culture and family background, and we are going to face the same obstacles that Peter faced. But we believe that your Holy Spirit is more powerful than that. We ask that you would break down the walls, not just the walls of the church keeping people out, but the walls of our hearts keeping people out of relationship with us. We pray that you would help us to be open, help us to see people 
the way you see them. In Jesus' name, amen.